Your style is unorthodox. But effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. Man, you come right out of a comic book. You are now listening to Black Comics Chat. Black 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 Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Hi, this is Anthony Rutgazer. I'm the writer of The First Hero and Heroes of Homeroom C, and you are listening to Black Comics Chat. Hi, this is Regine Al Sawyer, owner, writer, creator of Lock It Down Productions, and the coordinator and founder of the Women in Comics Collective International. You are now listening to Black Comics Chat. We're live, baby. Okay, uh, what is going on? What's happening? What's popping? What's cracking? This is Marcus Kwame, and we are back for another Black Comics Chat. Um, I'm going to start, before we get to our distinguished guest, with uh, the Black Comics Chat crew. And I'm happy to say we've got at least the uh, the Furious Four, if not the Furious Five. Uh, Thelonious threatened to possibly join. But, um, yeah, Treacher but 3 plus first, 1. Yes, yes. But uh, first up, we've got, uh, happy to, to, to mention finally again, we've got the International Lady of Mystery, the Carmen San Diego of the crew, always fresh off her award tour. We got Grace. What's up, oh, it Grace? Feels so, it feels so good to hear that again. I've missed that. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> we missed you. I really did. Oh, my gosh. It is so good to be with you guys. I've missed you guys so much. I'm so glad to be here and to uh, get back into the swing of things. So I'm going to keep it short and sweet because we got lots to talk about. So, But it's just good to be, good to be in. It's like you never left. Hey. I, know. <laughs> I know Marcus had the AKs on Deckington too. I'm like, does he know? No, no, I got it. I got it. And, um, you know, next up, man, we've got the Prime Minister of the Blue Czech Republic. <laughs> We've got the the uh, the Red Lion of the crew, the undercover Sid Lord himself. We got we my go. man Tony in the house. <clears throat> What's up, y'all? I'm very happy about this 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 day. You know, um, I want to get back in the swing of things. Got a great guest. Grace is back. Leo's got his hair styling. I'm 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 ready. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, and uh, yeah. As always, we've got uh, my brother from another mother, comic book creating partner in crime, and. Uh, the, I'm trying to think of a hair, aka, for you. I'll come back to it. I'll get it by the end of the episode. Clark Kent of the crew. Yes, yes. Yeah, sorry, the Clark Kent of the crew. And then when he when he switches his bang to the other side, <laughs> there will be a tallow, you know. Because oh, you know, no. I, I wouldn't recognize you if you switch the curl to the other side. <laughs> You take take off the glasses, switch the curl, Kal-El, instant Kal-El, you know. And I am, of course, am, am Marcus. Oh, sorry. No, I was I was gonna I was gonna pontificate, but right, right. No, 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 do you know, please pontificate. I don't even look. I'm, I'm put on the spot now, man. Like, see, my uh, my Clark Kentness, my Clark Kentness is sabotaged by the facial hair <laughs> situation. But you know, the facial hair situation. This has come from like, yes, my I, I'm I am a recent cuff gentleman. 
My boo likes the facial hair, so I kind of brought it back after many years without it. Um, I had a little, like, I, you know what the problem with facial hair is? You know, or talk, talk to me, my fellow facial <laughs> Please hair. Please tell brothers. me All what right. the problem is with facial hair. Is that like, <laughs> it's, it's like you got to sculpt it. You got to get all up in your own shit, like in the mirror. And I've got a little, a little, you know, I got one of those and I'm over here and you then it's a little saying. too much and then it's not <laughs> enough. And. And now the and the grays are coming. Yo, the, this is. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, no, Tony, we've talked about this. <laughs> but what's funny is I've talked to Tony about this before. I had the facial hair, like originally. I was like, oh, like when did the grays come in? And it's like now they just they they're, they're I mean, you can't. See, I don't know if you can see on the camera, but they 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 all they are, I'm, their own. I'm salt and pepper like I'm salt and pepper and sauce up in this shit. Like really, seriously, <laughs> like it's, it's distinguished, man. You got you got to just rock it. I'm I'm trying my best. So I, I want to introduce Marcus. So Marcus is the uh, the nationally lauded writer, uh, yeah. the, well, uh, 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 illustrator, illustrator. illustrator. Oh, I'm sorry, illustrator, creator. Yep, critically lauded. Uh, uh, it's confirmed. Critically lauded <laughs> uh, from the frozen tundra, Marcus Anderson. Oh, thank you, thank you. Actually, I am happy to announce that I received good news. I, I believe yesterday that uh, the Black Panther graphic novel history is going to second printing. Oh, already. that is so, so dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that things means, are things are going well. That means if you got your first printing, that book gonna be worth money, fam. Hold that hey. shit down. Sell it on Amazon later. You know, or maybe <laughs> you know, maybe don't get Bezos rich. You can sell somewhere else. eBay that shit or right, something. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Any any plans for a digital copy? Um, you mean will there be one? Is it not digital yet? I think uh, I don't know if it's on Comicsology. I know the publisher mm. might have mm. ebooks, but uh, oh, interesting. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure okay. What all right, we have a guest. So. Okay, yes, yes. But you didn't, come, you didn't come here to hear about that. You didn't come here to hear my random publishing talk. You came here to hear the, the guest of the hour. Um, if you've listened to Black Comics Chat, you've definitely heard our guest before. But just in case you've been under a rock, we've got the, uh, wow, man, the, the, the creator of uh, Power and Magic Press, uh, fantastic letterer, um, illustrator, if you've seen her uh, portrait. And uh, writer, editor, extraordinaire, Fantastic Kickstarter, editor. Kickstarter yeah. Uh, killer, extraordinaire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe and Mac Gill. How are you doing, Joe? Hey, everybody. It's really good to be back. I have definitely been on this podcast enough times that uh, <laughs> it just feels like a family reunion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, forget the guest thing, man. You know, I mean, yeah. more like yeah. we left the door open. Joe pulled up a chair. Is what, what That's right. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, help yourself to anything in the refrigerator. Right, 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 right. Right, right. No, that, you know, that's important. Like, you know, when you got like the homie, like there's a homie level where they'll just let themselves into the fridge and it's fine. Mm -hmm. yep. You're like, yeah, right. Like, we don't, you know, yeah, you can, you can have some of that. You, you, you want some kombucha? Like, what do you, what you need? Like, yeah, that's Joe got fridge privileges up at BC. I mean, that's a true yeah. test too, because if so, if somebody goes up in your fridge and they're not at that level, oh, it's it's, oh, it's like, oh. what are you doing? You know? Yes. So, yeah. 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 No, for real, fridge privileges. Yes, yeah. The, the first time, uh, the first time I'm hanging out with someone and they just kind of quietly get up, grab a cup, and serve them some water because they're thirsty. I think to myself. We're mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. We're like, oh, this is on. Okay. Yeah. 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 
right. Oh, we got we got Namalki in the chat. Yo, what's up, Namalki? Good <coughs> evening. Good evening. Right. Congratulations on the um, second printing. Oh yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, Joe. So um, you know, I always like like to because uh, you've been asked the question so many times, the the BCC question. So today's origin story question is: being that you're an editor and a writer, are there any specific works or books that made you fall in love with words specifically, like things that made you be like really connect with the written word early on? Mm. That, you know, it's probably the little golden books. Okay. <laughs> oh. All right. Which, which one? Of, like, um, the, the one that comes to mind first is, um, you know, I forget the full title, but it has something to do with Pussy Willows. It's about a I tiny little... Yeah, it's the little gray cat that uh, learns that, like, there's this plant that looks exactly like it and, uh, like, just gray and fuzzy little little buds. And it just walks around nature asking little animals, like, hey, where can I find some pussy willows? I heard about these, and they look just like me. It's this basic little book. Uh, and the reason uh, it comes to mind first is because I've always loved reading, like I like I can't remember a time when I didn't like I'm one of those kids that had to be scolded not to read. Uh, like you stop reading, you're supposed to be paying attention to class. Or hey, look where you're walking. You're walking down the hall and you're reading a book and like where you're stepping. Uh, even my parents being like, hey, you're like always reading. Like always like to the point that it feels a little weird can you stop that and watch some tv can you stop that <laughs> wow that's a reversal no i know i know that feel. did you ever did you ever do this thing when you were a kid did you ever walk and read because i used yeah. to yes. walk and, read. I, I, and like, yeah. just walk read a book and it was like and if someone caught you with that they were sort of like what the hell are you doing and you're like <laughs> i'm three quarters into this like did i yeah, like it's getting good like, like <laughs> So I can't think of like a, like like a, like of any of the books I've read that I would say like, oh, this is a great literary work. Like it, it, it wasn't like the impressiveness of someone's writing, but in particular, that ever made me go, wow, I'm all about stories. I, I want to be invested in stories. I want to tell them, etc. Like I just, that's just was always my thing. <laughs> okay, uh, so pretty early on, the switch got flipped. Yeah. As far as like wanting to write. Well, wanting to write was actually sparked by um, by cartoons uh, okay. instead of uh, yeah instead of reading books. Um, I knew that what I wanted to do growing up uh, as soon as I was twelve is when I figured this out. I figured out that I wanted to be the person that makes people feel the way they feel when they watch Sailor Moon, because nothing in the whole world made me feel better than watching an episode of Sailor Moon, watching Usagi transform, just the whole like metaphor of you can have all these flaws and you can have all these problems going on in your life, but there's like this magic wand you wave and suddenly you're able to tackle it all. Like you have all the power and you have all the responsibility, but it's okay. You're going to be able to take care of it and other people look up to you. 
to help them and to keep them safe. And that was just, it's just a very comforting feeling. Uh, and obviously animation is beautiful. Uh, fantasy is beautiful. Um, but really it was that feeling of like, of comfort uh, and of like fascination and like wonder. And I thought, okay, I, when I grow up, I'm going to be the person that makes that happen for other people. And for a long time, I thought, oh, well, that means I'm going to be an animator. But then in college, I learned that uh, if you're going to be an animator for the rest of your life, you don't necessarily need to be obsessed with story. First and foremost, you need to be obsessed with movement. You need to really be passionate about drawing the same thing 50,000 times uh, <laughs> and about like, the fluidity of that like sword slash and like an action like that needs to be your passion and that absolutely was not <laughs> it's absolutely not my passion uh and, and i sort of became more familiar with like the pipeline of how these stories get made like it's more than just animators and making things move someone has to write the script someone has to storyboard it someone has to design the characters, et cetera. And those are all different people doing different jobs. Uh, and that's how I realized that the specific craft that included just the parts I care about, which is designing worlds and writing what happens in them was comics, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is how I got started in uh, writing comics specifically. Um, though I'd say what made me I feel like any skill I have in writing whatsoever, uh, <laughs> my ability to recognize when writing is good for what it's worth, uh, didn't really come from <laughs> my writing ability to comics myself or reading when writing comics, is good but from uh, doing play by post role play games on like forums. I don't know if any of y'all have ever played oh, those. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's basically like D&D, but instead of like rolling dice and talking it out at a table, you. Uh, make an account on freeforums.com or whatever, and you and your friends take turns writing different POVs of, like, uh, storming the castle and, like, uh, building your party and interpersonal conflicts with the characters. So it's, so it's kind of like collaborative fiction writing. Mm. Uh, and really, like, that, that made me grow leaps and bounds as a writer more than, like like my English classes in school or anything like that. Like my English classes taught me like, this is how standard English works, this is where a comma goes, this is where it never goes. But uh, the, the sort of play-by-post game, uh, it was a great social way to incentivize like, how can I say this more clearly? How can I mm. uh, really help my partner picture this? And it comes about through interactions where, say it's your turn and your character... Uh, suggests that you uh, that you go into the tavern, right? And then you have to describe the tavern to your to your scene partner, essentially. And if in their response, they it's clear from what they write back that they didn't really get a, the great the greatest idea of what you meant about what this tavern is like and what was in there, or like how full it was. That sort of was like a cue of like, oh, I didn't describe it well enough or I didn't create a clear enough picture. Mm. There's also the aspect of playing this game with lots of people who are at different writing levels. So, you know, you'll write your little response and then you'll get one back that is like way longer 
and also way better written and make you feel things that you're like, I know my three paragraphs that I gave you didn't make anyone feel anything. And then you just sort of start to like compete a little bit where you're like, well, what did they do that I didn't do? Like, what are, what, what, how are they stringing their words together? And how can I like, think about my writing in that way to like make them feel the way that they made me feel when they gave me this mm. epic like portion of the story compared to mine. Um, so yeah, so I'd say, I'd say my, my love of like actually participating in the process of uh, creating fiction and editing fiction was, um, <clears throat> it was very intuitive, very feelings based, very, I know that certain things make me feel away and other things just distract me with how much work they need and just sort of intuitively and through experience learning what the difference is between those things. That, mm. But that's so interesting because like, uh, like not, not the totality of what you do, but a lot of what you do is a kind of like collaborative creation process. And what you're describing mm -hmm. is like the sort of seeds of that. Uh, which is interesting. Was the did you did you say what it was? Was it uh, was it a specific role playing world, or was it all spun from whole cloth? Uh, the ones that I participated in were usually just spun from whole cloth. It wasn't based on like an existing game book or anything. Uh -huh. Basically, the nerdiest person of the bunch would be like. Hey, uh, FYI, uh, I usually don't do my homework uh, because instead I'm writing down the details to this elaborate like <laughs> fantasy world, and I threw some rules on it, most of which I stole from D and D, but it's not, but it's not really D and D. Do y'all want to like write and play in this world or whatever? And that's usually how these groups got started. Wow, wow. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Way more people do it than I realized uh, to this day because I was usually part of groups that were started by, like, a handful of people who happened to find each other through, like, chat rooms back in the day. And these days through Tumblr, people find each other in the hashtags like, oh, we're doing a play-by-post roleplay or whatever. Um, huh. But there are, like, some old-school forums that are, like, as old as like from the late 90s or mid 90s that have just been transferring their archives from service to service as they die and they're like <laughs> there are 500,000 of us and we do play by post and we've been doing it since we were 30 and now we're 50 and let's keep going like it's it's a whole thing <laughs> it, it, it's crazy like I knew people who who like used to play MUDs does anybody know what MUDs are? Muds, no. muds were like multi-user dungeons back in the day. They were like the way like scant origins of MMOs, but they were all text-based. Now they had like a like a built-in structure, like you had stats, you had like whatever that you could like draw from, but a lot of them functioned like well, how you're describing. Like most of it was just people talk, people in chat, like doing things and then lightly referring to a system that existed that they could say like roll a dice or you know like do this or that. But they were largely that. They were collaborative story engines you know that yeah. that had that did have people of like varying abilities and uh, english competency <laughs> um wow that's really cool i yeah I, I have not i didn't really really plug into that um but that yeah that's good so like your inspiration to write was uh everybody writing 
Yeah. Was, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I uh, I think the closest thing I had to that, I, I may have told this story before, but I remember my brother and I, we were, we were like little, young, um, and we got this uh, this X Men board game, and I was super excited to play it. But for whatever reason, it was just really simple and kind of whack. Mm. So we basically turned Candyland, it into a Candyland uh, with X Men. Kinda, yeah. Like I don't even know what it is. Like, Candyland is the wackest be... game ever. Like Candyland is fucking bullshit. If you roll you know, a dice, you yeah. move, and that's it. It's like nonsense. Yeah, I don't know if they have the same mechanics, but I think that's a good description. The Candyland of of X Men games. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, my brother and I, we just made um, all these rules and different like stories for it. So we we kind of you know. Uh, like jury rigged it to be our, our uh, an X Men role playing game, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, that's my closest thing. But yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because also a uh, past guest of the show, I was speaking to Thaddeus Howes recently, and he was saying like, you know, and he's a great writer, but he was talking about how um, the same thing, like you know, role playing games, and um, that was what really sparked that love for him. So it's cool. Connected. I also think it's really cool that. Uh, <laughs> that you you wanted people to feel things like in a good way because a lot of writers it's almost like they want to punish their characters and and their readers as well so that's that's, that's very compassionate of you you know but, uh, yeah yeah, it, yeah well, i've like i get the the impulse to like write things and be like and now i'm gonna kill off this character like it, right. it doesn't matter story but all these people are gonna like say stuff and i'm gonna provoke a reaction uh but i i don't i don't feel inspired to do that i don't i don't get any i don't get any pleasure out of that um i don't know i like i here's the thing i like sad endings i like when things end sadly but i like it when i like it when there's a point to it like i like it when we're all sad because this is a this is a story that's trying to make a point, like an important point or whatever, or like a, uh, I don't know, sad in a sort of, hey, we can all relate to this. We're this is we're all coming together specifically to contemplate this somber topic, kind of way, like something like Grave of the Fireflies. It's like, hey, did you know how fucked up? World War II was for, for, for these kids. Well, now you're going to fucking know. You're going to watch it and you're going to know, right? As opposed to like, we're all having fun here and then you just randomly kill off a character because you, you felt like trolling. Or like, we don't, we don't have any better plot idea for the next arc. So I don't know, kill what's his face and have all the characters react to it. No, that, like that is crazy common, and like there's the, one of the ones that I think of because you mentioned Grave of the Fireflies, makes me think of manga. Also, you know the thing with Grave of the Fireflies, like you know like where that story came from. Do you know that whole like background with that shit? Like, like that it's like extra fucked up because the guy who like wrote the book that the movie's based on, like he kills himself in the story, but oh. but like it's a true story. Like his his sister really did die. And like when he wrote when he wrote the story, almost all of it is true except he's dead at the end because of the guilt mm. that he felt, which is crazy fucked up. Oh, wow. um, oh. But but also uh, but that makes me think of Junji Ito is like so good at having sad ending. Almost all of his stories end sadly, but they don't end sadly in this way that like rips you. It, it doesn't like rip your heart out of your chest. It's just beautiful and 
inevitable, you know, but it's not like, like, I, I, I don't know if you have this thing, but with me with like, write with writing and I think especially with comics, but in general, like with creation, I like cruel. I am, I don't I have a weird relationship with cruelty. I don't like cruel things generally. There are some yeah. things that have that quality that I do like enjoy or appreciate or respect, but but oftentimes I don't, and I feel like in the past like decade, like movies and animation and all all different uh, all oh, these yeah. different like mediums, like we we've had this like in, new engagement with cruelty, and it's like it's cruel. That's the whole point. Isn't that great? Yep. Like it's like you know it's like <laughs> no, it's not. Like there's no catharsis. There's no like connection. You can end it sadly. It's not like I'm like just I need a happy dappy ending, but. But yeah, Junji, I think Junji Ito is brilliant with the way he, with his sad endings, which I feel like 95% of what he writes ends, uh, he doesn't really do happy endings, like ever. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's an important distinction you both raised. Like, cruelty and sadness are not right. one and the same necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. but I think probably a lot of these writers do think so you know what I mean? yeah They're like it's not a happy ending man you this goes I mean? back to like... this is goes back to my lifelong hatred of mark millar he i think he's one of the ones that <laughs> oh, popularized like cr cruelty as a denouement like that's, oh yeah, oh, yeah that's yeah. what that's it's like well but why and he's like because like i don't know who's cruel because i don't know ended cruelly and everyone will think you're profound and everybody yeah. fucking ran with that shit I'm like Fuck Mark Millar. Well, if it hasn't been said on this cast, I'm sure it has. I'm which, sure it has. Which it has by you, man. Okay, good. 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 Just checking. Yeah. We're just well, re upping for 2021. <laughs> right, right. We haven't gotten one, one in this year. year. Yeah. 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 Okay, good. Good. It's funny to me because, like, you know, people will reference that, like, the, uh, the Avengers, the MCU Avengers are heavily inspired by the Ultimates, but they're not, though. It's, like, maybe costume-wise and, right. like, a few little and aspects. Like Samuel Jackson. But that shit I is guess. unrecognizable. Yeah, like, come on. It, the Ultimates was almost, especially that first Mark Millar one, was just, like, literally, like, how screwed up can I make every X-Men character? Yeah, no, you know that's I mean? the epitome like, of his cruel bullshit. Like, except he couldn't, like, yeah. torture and kill people, which he does in his indies, but not in Marvel, obviously, because they're not going to let him do I that. mean, he managed... He managed to take the already messed up relationship between Wasp and Hank Pym and make it Very even true. weirder and worse. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? I'll never forgive what he did to the Hulk. I think what he did to the Hulk in the Ultimates oh, was, like, yeah, reprehensible. Yeah. Like, it's so disrespectful to that character in every fucking way. Like, it just sucks. All right. We're going we're gonna to get stuck right. in the Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> let's not. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not. I want to point out, I actually do not find this, uh, this at all surprising, but uh, Namalki was talking about how his family swears he could read before he could talk and that uh, he could uh, skim a newspaper on his grandfather's lap, you know. And yeah, with all, with all the knowledge mm -hmm. Namalki drops, I do not doubt that. Yeah, um, no, <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Joe, I guess, uh, you know, we, we briefly were talking about it before, but like, how's your, how's your quarantine? Like, what are you, how are you holding up and what are you, what are you doing to stay sane uh, in these crazy times? Yeah. Same. I'm totally that. Uh, <laughs> a lot of assumption in that question. Like, hmm, how, right. how bold of you to ask? How <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, as sane as I'm keeping, uh, it is because I am using a timer app uh, for myself this year. I am okay. uh, in addition. Which one do you use? I use. I know, one, I'm trying to get tips here, so go ahead. Yeah, yeah I use one called Be Focused. Uh, 
it has a free version uh, in the Apple Store, and I I liked it, so I went ahead and went pro. I think it was only like it was probably less than five dollars, like one time uh, to go pro, and it just takes off ads. Um, and what it, it it basically does the the Pomodoro uh, the Pomodoro method. That's for, what, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know what that is, uh, the Pomodoro method uh, is named after like an apple-shaped like kitchen timer uh, mm-hmm. uh, set to 15 minutes or however many minutes, usually 15. Uh, and the 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 method is one to uh, facilitate focus when you're having difficulty. Uh, the challenge you set for yourself is to set the Pomodoro timer to 15 minutes. And just work for 15 minutes. Set that as your full expectation. Uh, and then after 15 minutes, you stop. Uh, and if, you know, depending on how you're feeling, if like, nope, that was my whole spoon packet for the day. That's the 15 minutes I had in me. You can at least say, I worked for 15 minutes. Um, what uh, happens for a lot of people, is, uh, including me, is that you start out really overwhelmed. Uh, you can't even imagine focusing on anything or doing anything, but you go ahead, you set that timer for 15 minutes. You promise 15, you do the 15, you stop. And then after a small break, you ask yourself, can I do another 15? Set it again. You do that 15. And then you ask yourself each time, can I do another one? Uh, And you can end up working a full normal amount a day. (laughs) Just, just uh, following that mindset of, um, rather than setting a large goal that feels so overwhelming, I don't even want to do it, or that stifles me with, with panic or with uh, uh, thinking of the product instead of the process, you, you, you give yourself the grace of checking in with yourself 15 minutes at a time. Yeah, I, I, so I use um, one that's the marinara timer. And mm. so it, I said it, it's like 25 minutes, and then it gives you a five-minute break. Yeah. And you do another 25 minutes, and you get a five-minute break. And then yeah. after you do your third 25 minutes, then they give you a 14 or 15 minute break. So, so it's kind of like rewarding you for like all the time that you've done and you build up with it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I find myself like, I'm excited. Cause I'm like, Ooh, look at this. Cause when that 25 minutes is up, I'm like, wow, look what I got done. You know? So yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's like a big motivator. I know for me to keep me like focused, like you said. Yeah. Mine works similarly. Uh, it uh, it lets you sort of mine lets you sort of set how long you want your breaks to be. Uh, I have mine set to twenty five minutes on, five minutes off, and then every four cycles, so essentially two hours, right? I get a Thirty minute break. That's when I get up and I like go eat breakfast. I usually work before I eat breakfast because I don't wake up hungry. Uh, and and I yeah, so I use those breaks to like do little chores throughout the day, get up, walk around, stretch, and all of that. Um, uh, what what helps me about the timer though isn't like it isn't like the feeling of wow look at what I'm capable of in like these 15 minutes but more uh, like whenever the timer goes off I, I I sort of get this this rush of like ah it's only 15 minutes until I can stop doing this right. <laughs> <laughs> In another 25, I won't have to do this for another 30 minutes. Exactly. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, though I'm also like, Leo got to hear a little bit about this uh, off the show, but I'm trying to figure out if I have ADHD this year. That is a medical journey that I'm on. Uh, so that's where my feeling comes from, of looking at that little timer and being like, 
I am itching to get on Twitter. So, hi, Tyler, you promise it's only five minutes left to go to Twitter? Okay, I can hold up. <laughs> Tyler's a harsh mistress. Yes. <laughs> well, and that's weird, too, because it's like, at what point, I, I feel like, uh, you know, ADHD obviously is a real thing, but there's also just life in 2021 and communication in 2021. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, not to down, no, no, not to downplay your, you know, questioning of it, but I, I oftentimes ask the same question and I'm sure like a lot of us do, you know, so I think it's the whole, the whole way we have things structured right now feels, uh, very, very, uh, overwhelming on a sensory level. Yeah. They're like, I keep hearing in like, like just little areas in pop culture where I've heard like therapists or psych- psychiatrists and stuff talk like there'll be a guest on a podcast or they'll be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which I'm watching right now. <laughs> on what? what? Yeah. Okay, like get old ass? Yeah. Let's get back. Get, let's get back to that. Okay. <laughs> I want to get okay. back to that. Like, uh, there's like this thing going around where a lot of uh, mental health professionals who normally diagnose uh, mental disorders have been more um, hesitant to do it mm. in 2020 and 2021. Uh, Cause their thinking is, well, we got to make extra sure you actually have this because it could just be COVID brain. Like it mm. could just be really, could just be the pandemic and once the pandemic circumstances are gone you won't feel that way anymore as opposed to like have a disorder (laughs) like because either way you could seek like help with talk therapy you don't need to have a disorder to like it's not like they have to be there taking your blood (laughs) oh yeah it's not that like diagnosis like like you'd need like maybe pills for this or whatever like Mm -hmm. Like uh, deciding if someone has, like, for example, like deciding someone has attention deficit disorder, deciding someone has major depression, which is depression that lasts six months or more and is debilitating to your whole life. Uh, so and they're like, okay, did, was this an issue at all before you were stuck inside or <laughs> is it just because you're stuck inside and we need to prescribe, you need to go for a walk <laughs> as opposed to like you've got some wiring issues that we need to address. Uh, And that's a slippery slope. Yeah. Uh, It sounds like it. Cause it's, cause I'm sure a lot of people just based on everything that's going on right now in the world. uh, Once the pandemic is over, they're not going to automatically feel better. No. Uh, No. So people are going to be affected by this for a very long time. Um, But yeah. uh, Apart from playing with timers and trying to figure out my psychological situation. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just been a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of occasionally watching TV to not be working, uh, (laughs) trying to work fitness into my life, especially more intentionally now that everything's upside down. Um, yeah. And lots of, um, yeah. Just, just lots of binging, political podcasts <laughs> what, are you, what have you been listening to uh well big time listening to worst year ever and mm-hmm. um behind the bastards because mm-hmm. uh, they have a really good analysis about just everything that's going on mm-hmm. <laughs> at any given time usually did you did uh, you get robert evans's free audiobook 
the one about the start of uh, white nationalism in America. Is it? Is uh, it's called is the fiction one or the fiction one? It's nonfiction, not the okay. fiction, not that. I know what you're talking about. No, he did like a little. It's in the behind the bastards feed. There was like a thing where he he read some of it. It's free. You should totally download it. It's fucking fantastic. It, I learned a lot from that shit. I'll, the, the, the name of it is escaping me right now. It was on my old phone, but I recently upgraded. I'll, I'll link you. I'll link you. It's really good. It's really, really good. Um, have you, uh, for not, I've lately, has anybody listened to The Daily? Has anybody gone into The Daily, the New York Times podcast? I haven't yet. Is it, is it good? I, yeah. I know of it. I just I haven't it listened too, to it. Yeah. It's 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 quite. I mean, it's literally every day. Like I'm not. Right. I don't think. And it's, it's it's quick, right? Like it's it's short episodes. Some. I mean, some. Like some are like a, a little bit meatier. But like it's the okay. kind of thing where like it's really something. Check in when the topic is either interesting to you or unknown to you. Mm. Okay. And then, like, if, like, you look at it and it's, like, oh, like, there was, like, a, a bunch of stuff on the impeachment, like, on the ra ramp up to the impeachment. And it was, like, I don't, I'm not that I don't care. I just, right. but I don't care. You're going like, to absorb that information right. somehow. Anyway. <laughs> right. Like, like whatever. Like, but, there, but, like, basically, yeah. like, scroll through it and, like, whatever sounds interesting, try it. Because it's such, there's a regular host who sounds like he's doing, like, the shittiest dollar store impression of Ira Glass, and it's embarrassing. But he's not a big part. The podcast is mostly the journalists who are talking, who are like hosting it, basically, or it's their story, so they're revealing it, or like they wrote an article, so the whole thing is about their article, and they talk about it more in depth. Then, and there's so many. There's dozens and dozens and dozens, if not more, if not hundreds. Um, so yeah, no, uh, for nonfiction, I, like like Joe, I feel like uh, during pandemic, I've bled more into nonfiction stuff in general. Uh, so, and the daily was a good, a good, uh, a good fit for that. I, I recommend, I recommend whatever in it is good to you. Uh, there's something in there you might dig. Yeah. yeah. That reminds me of reveal. Do you listen to reveal? No. What's reveal? Uh, reveal is, it sounds like it's similar to the daily, um, except it's not daily and the topics that they cover, uh, like there's a host and then they usually, turn it over to a journalist. Um, and they usually have multi-part episodes covering um, things that have been like, that like have to have been deeply investigated. Like it's an investigative journalism podcast. Okay. Um, and they, they usually cover things like, like for example, the one that uh, I listened to this year because I've sort of fallen off of them, even though they're really good, uh, is the one about, it's a miniseries called American Rehab that they've done. It is all about um, the origins of the current drug rehab system in the United States mm. in, a, uh, in a cult that started in California in the 60s uh, called Synanon. Whose purpose and is rehabilit is drug rehab? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it started oh. out as an intentional community, sort of like a hippie kind of thing. He's uh, uh -huh. in the Bay area. Uh, and it eventually grew into a cult of personality around one person that then eventually turned into an actual cult called Synanon. Um, mm. and the, uh, like, abusive and violent actions of Synanon uh, are usually little remembered in history because at their height, 
they were pulling their shit around the same time as uh, Jim Jones was poisoning people mm. in uh, uh, French Guiana. So, yeah, that's Jim that's Jones just got point. all collected all if, the shine. If you're going to be a, a horrendous cult, I guess you want to you want to slide it in there under the Jim Jones. Radar. Well, no, Jim, so Jim Jones reminds me. Does anybody listen to you're wrong about? Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, wrong about it. Yeah. Fucking yeah. awesome. I was totally going to mention that one. Yeah, yeah they had a, yeah. They are so good. It, Sarah Marshall follows me on Twitter. That's like, that, she was, follows me on Twitter. That, was, that was one of my big highlights from last year. I'm like, Sarah Marshall followed me back on Twitter. Oh my God. They're great. Yeah. Man, you're wrong about it. So that's, yeah, but I started listening to that last year. I guess I never, I didn't think about. Oh, wait, wait, wait. But that's not, that's not the investigative part. Cause that's, that's just unpopular. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, uh, what investigative journalism covered was that um, a lot of rehabilitation centers practice uh, their 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 practice for for treatment is directly based on the cult teachings of Synanon. and mm. they use these techniques to break people's wills down as well as enroll them in uh, unpaid labor programs. So right now, there are rehabilitation centers across the country where people who have, uh, you know, been given the choice between, okay, you can do this many years for this drug offense or you can be, uh, or you can go to this rehab center. Uh, and a lot of times people will choose rehab and the, and the series sort of talks with people who spent several months to sometimes years in these rehab centers where they weren't allowed to call their relative. They would be supervised while uh, ever being on the phone with people they're related to, being forced to say, yeah, everything's fine, everything's great. Uh, but they were sort of taught, they were taught rehabilitation through labor. Right, it's, uh, it's addict slavery. Mm. Yes, wow. addict slave labor wow. is happening right now <laughs> across many large rehab centers in the country uh npr uh goes into it after the american rehab series comes out or, or came out it's it's wow. a whole thing it's a whole branch of the prison industrial complex right, like pipeline right, right. they had no idea was happening wow uh so yeah that's a thing <laughs> fucking hell I know. I I like like I'm smiling because uh, that's what I do when I'm just so overwhelmed. <laughs> I do the by, same. Yeah. By the weight of like what? Because it, it sounds fake. Like it sounds like right. <laughs> like some right. bullshit. But it yeah. Because like we because most people know about um, private prison labor, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But. The, but many rehab, rehabilitation centers function in that same, like, prison labor way. Um, right. Well, the fact that it's like a counter, uh, not a counter, but like a, a, con like a contrast to it, a, a, a deciding, part of the deciding fulcrum, it's like, well, you're not going to go deal with prison labor. You'll just deal with this other labor, this other version of slave yeah. labor. Like, and you're like, oh, that's a much better idea. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously better. Um, wow, that's yeah. So American capitalism is it's consistent, you know. I mean, if you're a everyday worker, you work yourself to the grave. If you're a prisoner, you work yourself to the grave. If you're a, in rehab, work yourself to the grave. Yeah.
Oh yeah, and it's uh, and it, it, it's all a profit thing because they're contract. They're being contracted by um, by large corporations that are like, yeah, we need some temp labor, right? And mm. they pay. It's essentially a chain gang. They pay the the uh, clients, I guess. I was like, what do you call someone in a rehab? Not an inmate. Uh, <laughs> a consumer? Uh, yeah, the rehab clients yeah. go do this work. And it's like, your treatment. No, you're not being paid for it because this is the free treatment we're giving you, letting you work for Walmart for free or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's one of the crazy things with rehab in general because it has this sort of... Um, it has this sort of air of like, whatever this is, is better than where you were. Like, I mean, I don't talk about this in the show much, but like I, you know, was in a reformatory when I was a young teenager that had a, a rehabilitated drug rehab element. Um, and that was sort of, and it creates this sort of like brainwash cult mentality around that because no matter what, anytime you kind of question it or like there's friction uh, or static around it, the the immediate response is like, oh, well, well, where you were at before was better, though. And you're like, well, no, like, and they're like, right. So this is improvement. This is this is self-improvement. This is actually like a, a, a raising of your station. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's free labor. But like, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, in this like horrible like previous state when it's like, well, you it's not a fucking binary choice. Like it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be one or the other. Uh, so that, I mean, I'm sure like, I'm sure that feeds into this and, and relates to like, I guess what you were talking about before about like just the cult mentality, man, you know, a lot of people, I will say this from my experience. This is always the, the most important lesson I learned from my own like experience with this. A lot of people think they can't be brainwashed and they're wrong. It's surprisingly, yeah. uh, like, the people who brainwash people are very good at it, and you're not good at fighting it, and that's the issue with it, and people are like, well, I'm too, I don't know, I'm too headstrong, I'm too brilliant, I'm too whatever, and it's like, there are methods, there are rhythmic methods to to get you to change your way of thinking, and that's, that's how the world works. Yeah, I feel like the most common example of that, that people don't think of as brainwashing, is, um, people who are trapped in abusive uh, home mm. situations. Because uh, yeah. there's always that, that like idea of, oh, well, this relationship must be going great because they're still together and they're not leaving. Or like mm -hmm. you find out that's happening and they're like, oh, well, right. they still love them and they're staying, blah, blah, blah. Or even like people, like even when someone is in that situation, they may not even realize that what's being done to them isn't okay yeah. or isn't right because they've been, they've essentially been brainwashed. Like people think like hypnotism and like something super dramatic when they think of brainwashing, but brainwashing is just, right. you've been broken down into one way of thinking right. that goes against all your interests. It goes against reason. It goes against physical reality, but it's the orient, the way your brain has been oriented mm -hmm. around accepting a situation. And that's essentially what people who uh, like, are being abused, but don't take opportunities to leave. Uh, and I say that very intentionally because some people just don't have an opportunity to leave and it would be really dangerous right. for them too. Right. But then right, right. people like, will go back willingly, e even if there's no threat. And it's, that's brainwashing. That's what that is. And it can happen to anyone. Yep. Like, 
Yeah. No, I've known a lot of people. Yeah. That's real. Oh, okay. Yeah, really. so, yeah super uh, downcast oh, episode, segue, guys. Segue really, good. really good. I mean, we shit. talked about how we, we, we don't mind sad endings. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We no. could keep going. Okay. You know what's funny? Well, when the second, the second you said that, it reminded me of, uh, this is going to be a weird segue, but uh, of, of of Malcolm and Marie. Has, has anybody on the, the, the chat uh, watched, watched Malcolm and Marie? Not. Are you about to speak mm-hmm. positively about it? Because I feel like a bunch of no. people are throwing dirt. No, I am not. No, I am not. No, I am not. Matter of fact, real quick. Good. Okay. Matter of fact, I have a few few text chains on my phones with, with friends where I was like, Have you watched Malcolm and Marie? And and they were like, um, they were like, No, not yet. And I was like, Well, this is not a recommendation. I'm just asking. Because I wanted to talk to people about it. But uh yeah, it's it's like I don't know. Wait, wait, nobody. Wait, you watched it, Grace? Or I had, yeah. Anybody watch it? Okay. Um, All right. yep. Yeah, it's just like man, it is. Uh, it's 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 a ride. Uh, That's but a it, good way of putting it. I, I have so I have so many issues with it, and then when I found out that the you know the, the writer was not a black dude, because all right, so as I was watching it, my initial reaction is like, huh. So it's almost like it, it reminds me of like the the auteur films where like one of the auteur white dudes. Um, mirrors himself in this super toxic male director character. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it, and then I'm like, oh, is this like maybe like a black filmmaker doing an equal opportunity? I can make a toxic black man character. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But then you find out that like it, it was a just a regular white director that's like maybe he thought he was being progressive by saying that black. Men have uh, can also uh, ascend to levels of white toxicity, but anyway, it, <laughs> it was, the film. I mean, it's like you know, it's it's argument after argument. There is an arc because, um, and I like I like John David Washington, but I don't know, man. It's going to be a challenge in whatever the next role I see him in to to to, to wash this movie off of my skin because he he. He does a good job. I will say I have issues with the writing of the film and everything. Um, he has, but I will say he hasn't done a bad job yet. Right. But he's been in right. Some right. Shit right. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like the uh, the two of them. I mean, literally, no spoilers. There's only two actors, um, and uh, you know they're in the house the whole movie, but uh, they both act their ass off. It's just uh-huh. the material, you know. But there is a the reason I even bring it up in connection to what Joe was talking about is his character is just he's he's a he's a narcissist. He's like a straight up narcissist. He's uh extremely abusive and hurtful. Um and and the arc of the the arc of the arguments, I was gonna say the arc of the film, but the arc of the arguments is essentially uh, you know, heel rat a tat tat, like, you know, this is what's wrong with you, this is what I put up with you, blah, blah, blah. Then um, Zendaya will come back and be like, boom, boom, boom. And like her darts are, are like accurate. You know what I mean? Because she's just like, but then he gaslights her. <laughs> and then, you know, so the, the argument goes back and forth. They each get their monologue. And then in, in his gaslighting scenes, um, she never completely buys it. But you can see where like, um, and this is where they really are acting their asses off. Because even when she's quiet and she's not arguing, you can see the 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 shit he's saying working on her, and you can see her um, still like, yo, you are full of shit, and you are doing what I just said you're doing, but but it's still kind of working on her. And then I'm sorry to spoil the movie for anybody who's been dying to watch <laughs> Malcolm and Marie. 
talking. This feels very like a traumatic movie. I'm not sure I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, don't watch it. Don't watch it. But, yo, yeah. that's what I said. I was like, yo. I, I mean, I've never been like his character. I've never been an abusive person, but I have been in bad relationships in my 20s, and I was like, I'm through with those. I don't need to relive that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like for two hours, it's like asking, you know, whatever. So, anyway, long story short. The movie culminates after the 15th uh, explosion in um, the scene where they're both like, you know, ruminating and pacing around the, the, the apartment. And finally, they end up laying in bed and he like kind of feebly says, I'm sorry. And then she's just like, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. She's like, she's like, thank you. And then like she turns away. He turns away. She falls asleep. He wakes up. He looks around. She's not there, you know. And I'm like, oh, at least she left she his ass. Out, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but but then he's like, he's like screaming. He's like, Marie, Marie. He's looking for her. And then he finds her outside. And they leave it ambiguous, you know. And then they do. I'm still trying to figure out how I even feel about this, because <laughs> they end the movie with Outcast Liberation which is one of the greatest songs wow. of yeah. all time. Yeah. Like, I actually forgot how much I love that song. And you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it's literally been in my head for two weeks. So I'm like, oh, but then I'm like, you know, I'm like, well, are you trying to get points for this? Like, you know, the director, like, I don't know. It was just, it was just, I, I really felt like very strong. Why did a white just, guy she, make this? I, I, a, I read because he could. It was a pandemic movie. Yeah. Because he could. Because he could exactly, yeah. I guess you answered it. This when you sounds said like guy. the kind of movie that would be made before IMDb and photos of people existed, and he would right, just like right. release it and just yeah, never like you do find a out press. like twenty years right. later, yeah, yeah, like, like you never do a junket about it. He'd just be like, you know, whatever, like you know, just put that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fine, yeah. My my name is a blackish, I think. Like I don't know, people think it's my first name's Trevor or something. I don't fucking know. Like yeah. Wow. Anyway, it's just it's 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 uh it deals heavily with uh, an abusive relationship. It deals with a, a person, you know, and so it 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 made me think of that. Yeah, I great. guess I needed this was my therapy. I needed to share yes. my experience <laughs> with you guys your... after having sat yeah. through that film. You know? yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But, uh... Yeah, I think it's time to talk about manana. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> let's let's talk about manana, dude. <laughs> Oh, okay. Which you which you announced for the first time on Black Comics Chat. Yes. This is true. Way way back last year. Way back. Or, yeah. Year true. The first time here. That's true. Uh, the so for again, folks who don't uh, know what it is, uh, Manana Latinx Comics from the 25th century. It is a comics anthology. It has about 50 Latinx and Latin American creators in it overall working together uh, to make uh, about 30 stories, all set in Latin America, all set in the 25th century. I like descriptive titles. Uh, and the, the sort of uh, conceit of it is that uh, since Latin America sort of as a thing, as a, as a, as a political entity, as a, as a, as a melting pot of people, a uh, big asterisk on melting pot because colonialism and genocide aren't cute. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, all of that history wrapped up into Latin America. It it sort of has this this big bang moment 
uh, in uh, the at the end of the 1400s, uh, 1492, uh, when Christopher Columbus landed in the Caribbean. That set off the uh, the colonialism uh, as well as the uh, sort of meeting of cultures that culminated into creating what Latin America is today. Uh, the Spanish cultures, the indigenous cultures, uh, the African cultures. So that was 500 years ago. And I thought, all right, let's take another leap. Same amount of time, 500 years in the future. Where could we be then? Uh, there's just been a lot going on. Uh, there's always been a lot going on for Latin Americans and Latinx people, um, but especially after Trump became president, it sort of really put a fine point on it. Um, just, just sort of seeing the situation with uh, children and families uh, at the southern border and the ramp up of ICE's activities it was all very overwhelming. And I don't know, it just it, that combined with. Uh, just how excited people had been about Oscar Isaac for the past the same amount of time as the Star Wars movies uh, coming out. It was this big contrast of, you know, everyone's like, yay, we're in the future. We exist. This is great. But then looking at the present and being like, uh, you know, <laughs> they're trying to kill us every day, uh, I guess. <laughs> and they're, they're stripping children from not just their families, but their culture. They're taking children and they're being adopted by white people. They're being adopted by white families uh, forcibly against their will. Uh, they're probably never going to learn or, or they're probably going to forget how to speak Spanish. There's so many implications aside from like the trauma of being taken away from your parent. It's also this this sort of um, new wave in the tradition of uh, the U.S. and other colonial states taking uh, indigenous children since most people across the border are uh, indigenous and Afro-Latinx people. Um, taking those children and divorcing them from their context and sort of performing a genocide on them in that way, even if they're not killing them. So all that bad stuff is happening. But then it's contrasted with pop culture starting to give us a little bit of glimpse of us in our future or in our with our own futures. And I just wanted to have a project where we can come and we can tell our own stories. We can come together and we can create even more because Oscar Isaac is not enough. And I would say he's like half a point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wrong. <She's> not wrong. <laughs> uh, so like, so we've got we've got uh, we've got Asian Latinx. We've got Afro Latinx. We've got uh, I think there's one like just straight up white Latinx person in the anthology. <laughs> Uh, all the, the the beautiful mixed race Latinx uh, and Latin Americans in our community, we're we're all in there. We're all telling our stuff. It's set across different countries in Latin America. Uh, everything from uh, like exploring what a utopia in uh, indigenous regions of Mexico would look like, like a utopia where we. We, we've sort of mastered the, the internet of fungal networks uh, in amongst trees or like a future where like it's an alternate reality where uh, Aztec uh, or not Aztec, um, Incan uh, uh, religion is sort of like the dominant uh, religion and a dominant power that that has all these resources and they go into space and they colonize planets like just whatever you can imagine. And it is set to come out this fall. 
we are currently at the phase of translating it into Spanish mm. because we nice. got that thanks to our massively overfunded Kickstarter. <laughs> it will also be the very first book the Power of Magic Press is putting out that is available in English and Spanish. So that's very exciting. That's awesome. Nice. Nice. And one of the one of the things we, we hope to do uh, with that is not just not just have the option, which is great on its own, but also, you know, actually make some sort of relationship with the comics community in Latin America. Like, mm-hmm. who, who are the comics book com- comic book retailers in Mexico? I have no, I have no idea. Because <laughs> most of us don't. Like, we, especially in the U.S., uh, we, we don't, like, I don't know of too many small presses that have those relationships built up where there there are buyers that we know and we can call up every time we put out a, a book in the Spanish language or anything like that. Mm. Um, actually come to think of it. I, I don't even, I don't think I even have any, um, I don't have like in my network of people that I know, I don't really have any relationship with people in comics uh, across different companies who translate comics into Spanish for other to like, sell a U.S. book in a different language in another country. Obviously, that happens. I don't know which comic small press is doing it. I'd be interested in knowing. Uh, but what I'm more familiar with is people importing manga and translating it from Japanese into English or importing stuff from Europe and translating it from French to English or Spanish to English. So, so yeah. So it, so it kind of feels like new territory, at least for me, trying to figure out, you know, we've got this book in Spanish, we know where all the Spanish speakers are at. Let's talk. Yeah. How do we do this? How do we dance? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to say that like the 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 network would be probably like because I know that Euro Comics and Euro Sci-Fi specifically developed a relationship with South America and with Latin America in general um, because there were artists and writers. There was I I just did a quick Google, but I can't I can find it given given a moment. But there's like this very famous, I read it when it came out. It wasn't boom. Somebody put it out, but there's like this, like very, very famous Argentinian gaucho comic. That was like a Western. That was like this dude who was, uh, who was part indigenous, uh, and part, part colonial blood. And he was like, a like a, like a heroic desperado type figure. And like, that was huge in Europe because they translated, they like made, they forged the relationships you're talking about, but you're absolutely right. Like there isn't like, there isn't a standard of that or a, or a, a trend of that here. Right. Like they just, they're yeah. just totally disparate artistic universes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we can bridge that gap. I've been uh, so focused on Latin America that while you were talking, I actually thought, Spain. Spain will want it too. Yeah. You know what? That's okay. It's okay to forget Spain sometimes. They don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Col- the colonizers do. Okay. They forget about us, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what's up with Manana. Just like nose to the grindstone on that. Uh, the uh, translators start on Monday. Actually, literally on Monday. Uh, right now, it's a matter of wrapping up the final uh, the final copy edits on the English version, so that they can compare the scripts while they work, uh, and wrapping up like 
deleting everyone's panel description or making a copy of everyone's scripts and then deleting the panel descriptions so the translators aren't like wading through like and in this panel they're like we know we have the comic we know <laughs> we just the dialogue clearly crisp that we're going to translate uh so just a lot of busy work uh the 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 not fun part of making a book become a physical object that is awesome that is awesome yeah yeah, yeah. And we we have we have two of the uh the the creators here on the show we do do we? we have Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> just in case, just in case you need, to, you need to know. Yeah, but yeah, no, we're looking forward to it. All right. So, um, what? Any, anything else that you can tell us about on the horizon, or is it like all, full steam ahead on Manana? It's full steam ahead on Manana, and also full steam ahead on self care. Uh, yes. yes, that's good to hear. That's yeah. very good to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it'll be the first time since the launch of power magic press in 2016 that i'm not going from one kickstarter to okay call for submissions next concept um yeah so next concept will probably come uh i'll I'll start like letting people know what it is and looking at submissions and stuff right now yeah but this, this pandemic like it's it's a horror show and it is also a perfect opportunity for those of us privileged enough uh, to look at our lives, mm-hmm. be like, "Am I okay? Uh, mm-hmm. Taken care of? Has there been anything I've been ignoring? Uh, is this is this time? Can can this time be made use of uh, in a different way? So it's been great for contemplation. Um, yeah. So yeah. So you know I what want- that. So, sorry, I was gonna say that's a really. I'm I'm glad to hear that. You know what I mean? Because I I feel like in our society everything is just what are you doing next? You know what I mean? What do you do? Blah blah. blah. I mean it's it's what we say when we meet people. Like you know like what do you what do we do? I think it's a it's a bullshit thing to ask people, and I still ask it. You know what I mean? Because it's just just what you ask. But I think that it's really refreshing to hear that response. You know what I mean? Like so that's really cool. I'm glad. I'm glad, and I'm glad. I'm glad you said that too because they're. There's definitely a culture, especially amongst like comics people, of mm-hmm. and a culture that comes from uh, uh, the shitty capitalist situation in the comics industry. Uh, this culture of if I'm not constantly working, then it's my fault that I'm not like mm-hmm. making X amount of money or yeah. whatever. Right. When really, like, no, we should all be working way less and be making more money right. for that work. So that we don't kill ourselves, yes. feel like we're doing anything, <laughs> so we don't constantly feel like we're treading water. It's like, oh, I clearly am not doing enough, and it's like, mm, nope, you worked more than a full time job worth on oh, <laughs> all yeah. this stuff. It just feels like it's yeah. not enough because you're not getting paid well. <laughs> That's yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, it it it's definitely like something to to deprogram in a lot of people like your money's important you need it you need to pay your rent you need to eat and you are more valuable than your output mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. you never create another thing again you're still an awesome great and valuable human being who people should want to know and talk to because you're still the same 
it's yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of our, our worth and our identities are tied up in the work that we do and what we produce. Um, like part, part of it, part of it is okay. Like, you know, we're nerds and we're creative and we like to, we like to impact things. We like to change the world. We like to, to say, I did this, I created this and contribute and have that exchange with the world. Um, but capitalism turns it into this thing of like, but what is the value of that? Like, what did, uh, how much money did you make? What did you, uh, uh, how much more profit did you increase? Like it, it, it becomes like a race against yourself yeah. at a certain point that you, that yeah, we, we ask each other, what do you do when we meet each other? Because it's a reasonable thing to ask, especially here. We all know that each one of us is spending a disproportionate amount of our day doing what it is that we do for a living. Yeah. So it's very a big important part of some of someone's life and personality. Like, so what did you choose as the thing that you're gonna spend three fourths of your time doing? But it's 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 <laughs> insufficient in a lot of ways though, right? Like there's yeah. times in my life I could have been like I filed papers at a an insurance company and that does not even begin to to define me. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. Like like you know, anybody that knows me is not like, oh yeah, that's insurance dude. You know what I mean? Like and so it's yeah, I guess that's that's what my my challenge is with that that question, you know. I mean, I feel like it's a it's a starting point for a conversation. It's like an entry point, but it's like is we're we're way more than what we do in our our capitalist output, you know. Yeah. And comics comics are grueling. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. a it's a grueling way to make a living. I mean, it's it's great. You know, I love them, but you know. So yeah, self care. More so self care in twenty twenty. There's ways to make a living than comics. There's yes. every way. <laughs> like all of them. <laughs> like every single way. <laughs> yeah. the- Reminds me of a, a tweet I saw at the beginning of this year. Uh, I sorry for no attribution. I don't remember who said it. Uh, someone really funny said it. Uh, what they said was um, something along the lines of, "I'm done with this. Comics will break your heart." Energy. From now on, there's only I'm gonna beat comics's ass. Energy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's what's up. Turning it around. Yeah. And make it adversarial if you need to. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so I, I do have a question based on something that you said, um, and it's only because I'm just curious with you know the whole pandemic situation. I remember the last time we talked, uh, the, the the post office has been a fucking disaster. So, uh. has I know that that has affected how you're going to do this. Have you come up with solutions? or ways around the post office or are there you're just going to roll with it i don't ship power and magic press quarters uh oh our, that's right you mentioned that that's our, right our, all of our store and uh kickstarter stuff is fulfilled by white squirrel they are a, a fulfillment company for independent creators they are based mm. in washington and they have a big old warehouse with lots of space, and they schedule the, the post office to show up to their warehouse and just block up thousands of packages every week. So that's that's all golden. 
Doesn't they have nice packaging too. I, the, whatever do. the last project that I got from you, I was like, oh, this is pretty. You know what I mean? I didn't really even open it yet. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right. It really is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just curious about that because I know that's been wreaking havoc on a lot of people's Kickstarters. Oh, yeah, I do not. I absolutely do not envy that right now. It's a very difficult situation. The yeah, the if I if I was doing it myself, I would be relying a lot on um on free pickup. Uh the US Postal Service will come at your residence and pick up a certain number of packages from you, I think depending on weight, uh for free. Uh as long as you like the only difference between paying for it and free is you don't have to, you don't get to pick what time they come get your stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ain't that the truth? Yeah, yeah. it's a free option. It's like, well, they'll mm-hmm. pick it up whenever it is that that truck is scheduled to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Likes to drop off letters or whatever. Uh, you can pick the exact day, and they do come on the exact day that you ask for free. Uh, so that's that's mercy. <laughs> They're like a, they're like the cable guy. They're coming somewhere between yeah. eight and five. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the worst. The worst. Oh man. Um. So should we jump into the uh, the the chat portion of the show? Cool. I think it's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Leo, you didn't want to say anything about your story, or you know. Uh, I have. Oh, oh, oh. That's right. I'm sorry. My story. My story. And what? What are you talking about? Really. <laughs> this is this is the Leo. You got to drag this, this is Florida pre Madonna. <laughs> okay, okay, Clark. <laughs> I, don't, no, I, I, I don't. I think I've talked about my story before. It's about it's about immigration. It's about uh, it's about nationalist bullshit. It's about Chilean folks. I don't know. You're gonna have to you have to pick it up. The art is I've, fucking I've, sensational, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. As as someone who's who's heard a more detailed uh description <laughs> of it, it's gonna be really good. <laughs> All right. Well it's funny, y- y'all y'all were for... talking about Kickstarter. I got I got this today. I don't know if anybody else backed anybody back this uh this Kickstarter? Yes, I have it. This, no, I did not. This is good <laughs> shit. This is good shit. Yeah, I just this just arrived today. Is that a game or a book? It's a book. Um it's it's a, it's a it's, Oh very <laughs> Very nice. This is a Peruvian uh, cyberpunk uh, craziness. It, mm. it, Peruvian cyberpunk and digipunk uh, craziness. Gorgeous art. Uh, very, very profane and violent. And uh, it's, it's really, it's really good shit. Um, yeah, uh, I think you can, you can get, you can get it in the aftermarket. I think, like you can get it, uh, you can buy it direct now. I believe. Okay. Um, but I totally, it was one of those like magical Kickstarter things where I totally forgot about it. I was like, what the, what the hell sent me something from a different country? What the hell is this shit? Yeah, I, I ended up getting some Kickstarter stuff. I ended up getting Okemus. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mission. Uh-huh. You guys oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, Kickstarter stuff is crazy. Kickstarter is like, <laughs> your future surprise gifts to yourself. Yes, yes. Right. Yeah, right. you're like, yo, what is this? And blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Namalki, Leo, I don't know if you have a link. Namalki's asking for a link if you oh, have one. Oh, for Puno? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, let me let me dig okay. it up. Yeah, it's it's really 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 good. Um uh and 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 beautiful art. Let me see. It's got to be on the It's a great way to side sidestep the question though, but that's cool. <laughs> Marcus got me covered. Marcus knows. Yes, yes. It's a real it's a really incredible story that I can't speak to you about. Uh what I will say that Leo's story is the sort of story where it's hard to say 
much about it without just mm-hmm. playing the whole mm. point. So kind of yeah. true. Yeah, Leo's being cagey for a purpose. Ah, <laughs> thank knows. you. Thank she you. Knows. She knows. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Marcus, what's the happy haps? What's the what's the news? What's on um, the news cycle? Uh, well, I guess thing? you know, I, I read a thing today, which is the uh, Milestone Returns book, which uh, which which reintroduced the Milestone universe to a, a modern era, um, and you know, it it was cool. It was good uh, as a Milestone stand. It's funny because I didn't even realize it was coming out this week, but I've been rereading the original run of Static, um, just because I I go back to it you know, every now and then. And first of all, that original run like really holds up, even though it's like mm-hmm. about teenagers 30 years ago at this point, which is crazy. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's real, right? But uh, it, it it feels like there's a, there's a lot of like relevant stuff though, you know what I mean? To their experience and, and, and how it works. Um, and that's in the old, the old run, but mm-hmm. new one is cool. Um, the, the Big Bang that, you know, where, where the gas gave uh, everybody powers in the old universe, you know, happened in a big uh, gang fight. But this time it's uh, police used this experimental gas at, on on uh, protesters. Oh, um, police gives everybody powers? I didn't read I didn't read it, Marcus. Yeah. I, I, have, yeah. It, I have it in, in, in hand, but I didn't read it. Yeah. But it's very much like a um, – you've probably read, like, just – you know, DC books are before that are kind of like a jumping in point. So I, it feels like you're getting like snippets of the different titles kind of being interwoven to give you an introduction to the series. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, man, it's it's cool that it's actually happening because it's been like what at least six years since Milestones. Wow. Yeah, but six years since we first heard they were coming back. Do you know? Yeah. Like, do you know how many news posts I've written about Milestone is coming back? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is uh is there like a date for the first book the first book book? Wait, let me look on my let me look on my thing. I think they're coming. Like, is so far the titles that have been announced are Static, uh, Icon, and Rocket, and um, Hardware. Hardware. Yeah. Uh... And coincidentally enough, uh, Static Shock okay. is now on HBO Max. On HBO Max. Yep, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's right. I'm not sure about the dates, but it, it's it's they're coming. They're I'm, coming worried, I'm worried that no one's sure about the dates, but okay. here I'm sure. Here I'll, I will look it up. You you guys talk. I'll, I'll look I've, up. I've, I've, I suspect that dates. Don't I have exist. a question. No, it's actually happening now. <laughs> What's the question? What's the question? What's up? Did I can't remember if I've been on here since Lovecraft Country's been out. No, but I'd love to talk about it. I don't think you have. Okay, but uh, I'm I'm down to talk about it. Uh, I really want to know what everyone thought of Lovecraft Country. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite I a bit. Yes, book, I read the book simultaneously as I mm-hmm. was watching the series, and so interesting enough, I think for like the first like five episodes, it was going along with the book. So yeah. it was like you know I would read the book, you know, and I'd stop at a perfect time because that would be what would be on the episode. So, um, so yeah, like I enjoyed it, you know, it definitely, there's some changes from the book and from the the series. Um, I will say as far as like a critique that I, one critique that I have is, um, something that as I think it through more, it was, even though it felt like it was smooth, it was, it felt disjointed in some ways too, Mm because it was like, we're talking about all these different phases of trauma and blackness, but 
it, it just they made it work so it seemed like it wove together but it's it definitely was still disjointed in some ways and mm. I don't necessarily mean that in such a bad way but um I definitely kind of felt that as I'm as I think about it even more you know going back watching it again yeah yeah I definitely felt that too that they're well first of all I loved it uh mm-hmm. second yeah, of all I had so many critiques, <laughs> of it. but I definitely felt the, uh, like, it, I feel like it had a pacing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. problem. I don't know if it needed to be longer or if it needed to do less with the number of episodes, but mm. it's one of those things where you, I guess you don't really know going in if they're going to renew you for more yeah. that mm-hmm. you can go later. So you try, mm-hmm. you just basically like shoot your shot in however much time that they give. Um, but yeah, how about everybody? I, 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 real oh. quick, I will say I like the way that they dealt with Tulsa better than Watchmen did. Like I thought they did a much better job with, yeah. with the, 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 the depiction of it than Watchmen did. I, I definitely say that. Yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah I agree with sorry. That. I, I agree with you. I, um, you know, Watchmen, it was truly jarring uh i mean i didn't have an issue with it being depicted because it's almost the type of thing like tulsa was so awful right that it's you know what i mean like i, I feel like i would have also had an issue if they had made it look not that bad you know what i'm I mean, saying that like, show single-handedly made tulsa yeah. more of a household understanding than it had ever absolutely been in yeah yeah and and by starting with it, you know. But you're yeah. right, though. I, I I see your point, Grace, because I think that Lovecraft also conveyed how horrific it was, but it really focused on individuals. On and and uh, see, I don't. It I don't necessarily want to spoil it, but yeah. But Michael Michael K. Williams' character throughout the throughout the course of the series, it's like you're you're angry at him a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but it's like that that Tulsa moment, you're like, okay, all right, I get, I get the, the, the trauma and everything that, you know, led your character to, to, to be the father that he, he has been, you know, um, also just, I would say acting wise though, like everybody did a really good job. Like uh, yeah. Michael, Michael K. Williams. I mean, yeah, you know, just, the guy's he, good. <laughs> yeah. He's just, he's just really good, really good. And like, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, does anybody know if it's coming back officially? So they still haven't like said yes or no, which makes me feel like no, um, well, because if there's several shows that have already been re- yeah, they've been greenlit already. right. And yeah. so if we're taking this long, you know, yep. you, you almost kind of like yeah, maybe it's not happening. Yeah, I feel they, like it got it got critical acclaim though, right? Like people yeah, were really yeah, yeah. everyone oh, yeah. I feel like everyone was watching it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the way they ended it would it mm. just be really messed up if they don't do something. Yeah, else. they kind of owe us more, <laughs> right? Like, oh man. And there was like little. I mean, are we talking spoilers? Or are we not talking spoilers? I mean, I at this know. point, well, okay. I'll say this. I don't yeah. know. I'm gonna pull the Marcus and say I have not watched it. Okay, you know what? I won't spoil. I won't spoil because the thing, the thing I was going to discuss, Tony. I feel like is. I don't want to. I don't want to rob that experience from you if you are going to watch yeah. it. I appreciate so. it. I'm, I will get to it. I just I've been having a lot of schoolwork and homework for like a yeah. while, so mm-hmm. just haven't gotten to it. I'll say this without spoiling anything. I felt like there was a lot of humanizing moments mm. throughout yes. the series, 
yeah. of, of, of major events that that have, we you know we talked about. Oh before, yeah, yeah. They they get humanized and um, I'll, I'll just say the episode. Um, I won't give you know, details. I mean, but the, um, the episode where um, oh god, where a D that's focused mainly on. Oh D, my god! Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. And yeah. even prior to, you know, the episode before that. So I feel like there's a lot of humanizing of, of characters and of people, especially real life people. Right. They, they're talking about. So, yeah. Yeah. And specifically, like, colorism and right. in just, yeah, yeah. They really do a lot. And, you know, I think one critic criticism I've seen people a lot of the show, which is not necessarily like mine. I mean, I can see where it can be made in certain cases, but I think a lot of people made it some people made a criticism where it's like every episode there's like, this is the issue and we're going to hit this issue. Um, but I think they did it. I think they wove the issues that they tackled into the the story, you know, well, I also think that like, especially the, what you're alluding to grace. Um, like, I think that that was necessary to tackle. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. hard to watch. Yes. And I think it had to be hard to watch. I think that's, there's no yeah. easy way to right, to, right. Uh, yeah. I, you know this for someone who hasn't watched this. This is not interesting to hear, hear me <laughs> me speak around the subject. It's okay. It's but, right. no, it's okay. <laughs> I'm okay. even thinking about people in the audience or on the podcast. I'm I'm actually but, uh, someone who hasn't watched. I haven't seen it. Right, right. Ah, no, so not just me. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but that's fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah um, no, I do. I do. I do. Uh, I do intend to, and I know a fair bit about it, but. Yeah, when when we watch it, me and Leo will do a show on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Love Clarecraft. One year later. One year. Later. <laughs> wait, Mar- wait, oh, wait Mar- Marcus, did you watch something else uh, today? <laughs> mayhaps. Or? Yes, yes. Uh, oh, well, Leo reminded me that uh, that that Denzel's possibly Denzel Washington's finest work. Uh, is streaming for three more days on Amazon Prime, and that <laughs> that film is. Uh, Virtuosity. Oh, <laughs> has anybody seen Virtuosity? Virtuosity. Yo, listen, oh. <laughs> listen. This is it's, it's ignominious. All right, like it, it's okay. First of all, it, is this the only time that Russell Crowe was ever a villain? Is this the only movie in his Maybe. entire career? Yeah, Maybe. it might be. Like, yeah. Unless you count like fucking what's it called? Um. LA Confidential. I mean, and that's mm-hmm, he's yeah. not a villain, but he's like kind of an asshole. Like, but yeah, he's, but he yeah, beats up a, he yeah. beats up like wife abusers. Like he's fine, but you know right. what I mean. He just has an edge to him that he doesn't always have. Man, virtuosity. No, he's Marcus. a skin chewing villain. He's Go ahead. I'm just sorry. Ridic- he's ridiculous, <laughs> in it. and Denzel is. I don't know if Denzel's ridiculous in it. <sighs> All right. Can I give you my reading of, yes, of Denzel in this please, film? Please. Here we go. Here we go. I think that uh I think it's a testament with the, the bad script, the poor everything <laughs> that Denzel does as much and he, you know, for to his credit, he's taking the material and he's like, I'm going to act. <laughs> you <laughs> can see him saying, I am going to act. Right. And right. It's like <laughs> Oh, I, I don't know. I was telling Leo before we started, though, he he, ma- he also makes choices. So there's this one because uh, his, his character is. Well, first of all, Leo, do you want do you want to talk about the his his, his uh, 
who he his is. His style. In the, no, it's just his style in the film. Yeah. yeah I guess uh, we, you, you, can you give a synopsis? I mean, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Denzel is, was he previously a cop? Is that, he was a cop. Yes, he was a cop. In the so past. he's yeah, a, yeah. so he so Denzel. Uh, this is in some near, I guess, cyberpunky future, uh, but it kind of all looks like whatever. Like it's not like crazy like tech stuffs going on. But right, right. Denzel uh, used to be a cop, and what happened was there was a psychotic serial killer who ended up killing his. Because his, it's a '90s movie with a right. male uh, action protagonist. Go right. ahead. So his wife and daughter gets killed by some guy, right. and it drives that happened in that movie. And so, right, like, right. he kills the guy and gets sent to, like, some crazy high-tech prison. But the movie's not about the high-tech prison. He's just the prisoner in, in the high-tech prison. Meanwhile, uh, there's some guy who made an AI who's, like, an amalgamation of, like, 100 different serial killers. And what they do is, as part of his slave prison labor, is he goes into, like, this virtual reality device and goes to try to kill this serial killer crazy AI thing... Uh, Denzel does. Denzel right. does, yeah. like to kind of practice it and test it, and I, I don't know. That's like instead of printing license plates, maybe. Um, and he has like a homie who's like still at the precinct, and like that's who hooks him up with this whole thing. And uh, and also there's fucking nano machines in it. Like I promise you, they fit it in there. It's an important part of the whole movie, but I don't have a productive way to insert it into a synopsis. But there's nano machines. There's yeah. fucking nano machines. Off level mess. Oh, yes. Face off is slick compared to the right because I, this like, is, I would say <laughs> four years. This is four years before face off. Mm -hmm. Okay. And okay. It's it's peak. There is also a. a it, it's very very nineties, and I, I I lived through the nineties. I love the nineties in many ways, but it's peak nineties um, near future mm -hmm. uh, yeah. AI film where they don't quite have the cg to right. properly do what they're trying to do right and they don't know enough to not reach too far you know what i mean uh, they do just enough they do. Right. that's what they should have done no they, they do extra they go yeah. they go beyond they try to go bad. farther than they like can this reasonably movie go. aged badly i have to say two years after it came out Immediately. like it was already <laughs> badly aged then um, yeah, and Russell Crowe is this evil AI, and he is just like just delirious with it. He's, it's very bad. And also Denzel's hair. Denzel's hair when he's in prison is like they gave, they gave him like what? How do you describe what his hair is? In uh, like maybe Mackay Pfeiffer in Eight Mile, like, yes. like baby Mackay Pfeiffer dreadlocks. Yes. And then like, um, yeah, and a beard, and because it. But I, I we were talking about how yeah. this really, uh. There's there's a, a through line in Denzel movies. Uh, there's actually a good podcast I used to listen to called uh, Denzel, Denzel the Washington greatest is the greatest actor of all time. Yeah, and they would talk about this how there's the the Denzel uh, 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 style change that happens in a movie. It kind of symbolizes a, a shift for his character. So he'll start out like scruffy and then he'll 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 clean up when it's time to get busy. You know, this definitely but, um, that definitely happens in this movie. And you know what's fucked up? So uh, you didn't finish. You didn't, I finished it like not that okay, long ago. Right. So like, there's a later part of the movie because if you remember, they like insert a tracker into his brain, so they're tracking him on the map and stuff. And at this point, he's already had his glow up. But in the tracker, in like the crazy sci-fi high-tech <laughs> map they're looking at, the like oh, he still got the hair. He's got it in <laughs> profile photo of who they're tracking. He has the pre-glow up there in it it's like you could that's disrespectful that's just not 
come on, bro. Like he he cleaned uh, up like right out like in the first like thirty minutes of the movie, he's already cleaned up, but the cops on their tracking system <laughs> they got him with But I think I think the biggest story I'm gonna get conspiracy I'm putting on my tinfoil hat here, but like um Every now and then I'll think about this movie and and I'll be like, oh, let me see if it's online anywhere. And it's just, it has not been online. Like, you know, (laughs) that's what I'm saying. Like Leo told me about today and I swear I've checked within the last, (laughs) I'd say month or two and it hasn't been on streaming. And it's not online for long now. Yeah, yeah. And and sure enough, it's like three (laughs) days left. So I think Denzel has just been flexing his muscle to be like... (laughs) You're not going to put this. virtuosity on, on, you know what I mean? Like, right. I, I think he's, I think he's asserting uh, Denzel. So he's probably was like, all right, you guys can have it for three weeks, and then, right. uh, and that's you know, it. no one, and no one's going to talk about it on a podcast. That's <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. It's right. too short. No, it's like uh, I can't. Yo, I swear I can't remember. It's a silly name, but you know how Grant Morrison has this comic. You know about this comic that Grant Morrison is horribly embarrassed of? Anytime yeah. an oh, it goes on eBay, he yeah. buys it and destroys it. Buys it and destroys it. He's yeah. trying to like get rid of all of them. I, it's Neutron something, Neutron Boy. It's, it's some bullshit. But it's a very hard mm. to find comic because he will. He's scouring the earth for every. That means if somebody can get a copy, it'll really be worth something. Of the last one, yeah, it's like crypto. It's basically like Bitcoin. Like if you if you get the last copy of this comic, Grant Morrison doesn't want to exist. Uh, Did Grant Morrison come out as non-binary? Did he? What? Or they? Or wait, is that some some big comics person came out as non-binary at some point? That sounds very familiar, but I don't remember being called hmm. Morrison. Huh. I'm Googling. I'm yeah, I'm Googling, not sure. I'm Googling. I feel like it was Grant Morrison because I joked that... Oh, uh, my God. November. You're right. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I joked about me thinking it would be Alan Moore. <laughs> huh. huh. <laughs> All right. My bus, my bus, Grant Morrison. All right. Did I know Did, that? Did, Did I Grant pronouns or is it still it's they yeah they, okay. Grant Morrison is using they pronouns I did not I I, I hadn't heard but I also haven't read a Grant Morrison comic since uh, I don't know I don't know the last Grant Morrison no I've read one I've read one since then but <laughs> I can't yeah the last time I remember hearing Grant Morrison's name was when they were editing uh, heavy metal mm-hmm. and, that, and that, I don't even think that ever really happened like <laughs> Grant was like signed on to it and then Grant was gone and that was it but huh. that's the last time mm-hmm. I was like remember thinking about Grant Morrison to be totally honest Grant Morrison can be pretty yeah, cool too I thought about Grant Morrison when it came out of some point oh shit alright alright yeah. um, I, I didn't hear so, that I didn't hear that I know it yeah, respect yeah I didn't know that either um so Grace now that we, uh, Leo and I have, have, have gone on about the virtues of virtuosity uh, what what have you been reading or watching? Oh gosh, so everything that's on our, our thing, you know, the doc that we always have. So everything yeah. that's listed. So Judas the Black Messiah, uh, One Night in Miami. Yes. Um, yeah. American, American Gods. That I've been keeping up with that. Um, some other like small non-relevant stuff. Um, it's all relevant. Is yeah. it really though? <laughs> I mean, unless it's like I don't want to hear what it is. I mean, I mean, so I, I, 
So the, there's things that get talked about all the time, and there's mm-hmm. stuff that's just like the regular. So like the stuff that gets talked all the time. Like so, I watch Queen Sugar. That gets talked about all the time. Mm-hmm. Nobody really talks about nine one one. Nobody really talks about the rookie. But you know, I watch those. But people talk really about nine one. I feel like I've seen yeah. people. How, talk how about is nine one one? Yeah, I feel like I have so, seen that. So which, Wait, who's on that? One? Somebody I like is on nine one one. Who's? So there's two of them. You got okay. Angela Bassett. Which yes, is right. That's who's on it. Yeah. yeah. And then Rob Lowe is on the nine one one Lone Star. So. Mm. Wait, wait, come yeah. on, come on, wait, wait. Angela Bassett leading one and Rob Lowe on the other. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, come on. That is. Right, what, <laughs> I, know which one I, I know which one I'll start Pretty with. Like, what I'm yeah, you you kind of have to start with the Angela Bassett one anyway, because that's the original. So, right, right. Yeah. Okay. But, um, how do we follow up Angela Bassett? Rob Lowe, dog. Right, Rob Lowe's like, yeah. Rob Lowe's the nega <laughs> Angela Bassett. <laughs> that's, that's like when, I don't know what, it, what what CSI came out and it was like LL Cool J. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's still he's, he's still, still doing it. Shamar Moore. Yeah. Is, is it Shamar Moore on one so of them now, too? Shamar Moore is on SWAT. He's got his. Own oh, okay, on okay. SWAT. He's got his. Own. Yeah, right. yellow, the Copaganda universe. The Copaganda verse. <laughs> oh my god wow but um yeah but um i heard tony mention he had to watch one night in miami like it that is definitely yeah. and so yeah. i finally just watched it this week i really really highly recommend it so yeah. i'm like super impressed i mean it doesn't surprise me super impressed that you know regina king is the director mm-hmm. she does it so well like she's able to tell the story or direct the story of these four key you know um you know, figures, black figures. And, mm-hmm. and it, as she, she calls it like a black love letter to men. And it really, truly, truly is that. And awesome. um, it's deep. Yeah. I mean, they, they really nail it with that one. And, and yeah. the, everybody. And the acting. Characters, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Ali, every, everybody really, all four yeah. of them. Um, On that, I was going to ask on the, the, so Sam Cooke, like mm-hmm. he was really, that actor was really singing, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he killed it. Like he really did. Like when he finally sang uh, "Change Gonna Come," oh, like yeah, mm-hmm. that was I, I. I was like, "Yo, is that the yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah that the album that's... version?" Like you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. like, no, it mm-hmm. was it was really good, really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, now an interesting twist, or I don't know if you call it a twist, but uh, so I was talking to my students about it on Thursday, and um, all of them were like, "It's funny how Jim Brown is the only one that's still living out yes. of all of the four figures." Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know. Not too many people got any too many nice things to say about Jim Brown. He's changed. He's certainly <laughs> Jim, gone Jim in a direction. Yeah. Yeah. He's so. He's a fellow alum of mine. Yeah. So it's like people so are like, like, like cool he will be the last one to to be the one last one living. I'm like, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, and and to think. I didn't realize the age differences too. So like Malcolm is the oldest at 38. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Cooke was 30. Um, Jim Brown was 28 and Muhammad Ali was 22. And I'm like, wow, wow like they're wow. talking about a yep. variant mm-hmm. of ages there. Right. So, yeah. And the discussions that they're having yeah. at the, you know, at these different age sets. So, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. Um, as far as comics go. So um I found I found a, a comic book store in Richmond, so I'm like super excited now. Awesome, so, awesome! I'm like yes, and um, one of called? the things they recommend it's called Alpha Comics okay. in Richmond. So um, 
um, yeah, so when I was in there, they recommended something for me to try. It's called The Other History of the DC Universe. Okay, I heard oh, of that. Nice. Yeah. nice. And so uh, John Ridley, you know, one of producer who's done a whole bunch of stuff, he's kind mm. of leading um, this series. It's it's a mini series, and they're, they're starting out with uh, Jefferson Pierce, Black Lightning. So they're kind of adding a twist to his story. So it's, it's, I'm, I just started it. So, um, I'm like, okay, this is different because I didn't read too much DC. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like, oh, okay, let me see what this is about. So, um, yeah. So wait, I'm sorry, Grace, is it a history book or is it like no, new no, stories? It's, yeah, it's, it's new stories. So, oh, okay. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's under their DC black label. So it's, this is book one of it. So. Black label? Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> All right. but it's not just black. <laughs> I know. I know it sounds. It sounds funny. <laughs> what else is under they, their black label? They they do. There are Batman black label books, but they. I feel. I feel like they should have. Uh, I know nothing maybe about thought this that through. distinction. It's like basically like I think what maybe like what Vertigo was, where they can have more oh, of like uh, Marvel stories. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, they can do a little bit more in their stories. Hmm. So, Why um, gotta be black though? That's my point. I feel like with this one, they should have maybe had an alternate label name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, uh, okay, okay, DC. DC, <laughs> DC, DC, shocking black men. Because you know the you got the electric characters. Yeah, yeah. Nice. They, they, they can't get nice. enough. <laughs> although, although static is a goat, so I'm not gonna. You know, right, right, right. Yeah, no shade, no shade. Yeah. A Kickstarter. That I just supported. With, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Jamila Rousers. Oh, I saw that. Oh, yeah. With Robin Smith. And she that. already, she already hit her mark already. Oh, so good. I think wow. within like good. 24 hours, she hit good. it. So, good. yeah. She's, uh, she's uh, slaughtering these Kickstarters. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, actually, Grace, if you don't mind, that, I feel like there's a lot of people we need to big up. But um, this week, I, I did get uh, Robin Smith's Nubia. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is, which is dope. I, I haven't gotten too deep into it, but it's it, it's really really cool and really fun. Um, and of course, I mean, we got to shout out uh, Stephanie Williams. Yeah, uh, yeah. She had her first uh, Marvel story in uh, Marvel Voices. Uh, also, Danny Lore. Yep. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah. Yep, Danny Lore had a story in there, and I finally I I cop Regine's. Uh, you know the the books with Regine's uh, new stories uh, right. when they came out like a couple weeks ago, but I finally got around to reading it, and um, it's just really cool. Like her story in Represent was really beautiful, and uh, it's very much a a a touching like father and daughter story. So you know, so it got me, and um, it's just <laughs> nice. it's really nice. well done. So yeah, like who else am I forgetting? I feel like there's other people we know. Yeah, I'm like always. was there any? Um, uh... Uh, it, it'll come to us, come, but yeah. but but shout out to those those folks and yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of cool cool things where I could go into the comic shop and be like, I know that person exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. right, right. That's, what, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm happy for them. But yeah. I have to say, yeah. you know, I hung out with them at Comic Con. Right? Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I kick it with her. No, yeah, I kick it with her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, let me find my. Friend's book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got my friend's book in stock? Oh, you don't know? Oh, you no. don't? Oh, why, why not? <laughs> if you want, I can get her to sign a couple of these for you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, a low low key small thing. So in Lovecraft, when they, I ha- I have to just do this for it, just because yes. it's a shout out to her. When they dr- name drop a fool Richardson, I was yes. like, yes. I, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so good. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, and she's posted a lot of the the artwork that she did because you know you see the comics uh, that the character in the show draws, right. but like it's cool. So. Yeah. yeah. Dope no. stuff. Um, so what? What else? What? What else is on the dock? Tony, did you have? Uh, he got. Yeah, he got a few stuff. things. I got, some, I got a few things. I got a few okay. things. Um, well, we haven't mentioned Wandavision, which I now get up at like eight thirty in the morning. Right. Yeah, I, I now have to right get up at eight 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 thirty because people are spoiling it. Yes. By the time. It's just. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it but is. I'm not. I'm not going to spoil it. All I can say is, is that this is some of the best story writing. Yes. I think yes. From Marvel in yep. this in this format and uh it's it's just shocking to yep. just how good it is matter of fact your tweet this morning tony i saw it and i was like yeah see you mm-hmm. really do have to like make an extra effort you have to you, you, just, <laughs> you know it's, it's just one of those things like you got people out here who do it and like you don't understand like i will fight you you know and i don't want to do that you know, like that's it's disrespectful. It's it's so disrespectful. And I, and I and I, every week I, I just I talk about it, but I'm like, you know what? No one's listening. It's fine. I'm this not going to change. The same it. thing with Mando. I feel like everybody. Is Man, Mando, Mando wasn't like, as bad. It though. wasn't as bad. Yeah, Mando like was not as bad. I could more just vicious with their right because their, the thing is is that I end up watching these shows later because my partner wants to watch it with me, but we're working. So right. we'll watch yeah. it like at five. But after this, she was like, you know what? Let's just get up early, watch it, and then you can stop stressing about it. <laughs> um, yeah. The other thing that I've, I'm sort of into right now, well, I finished Star Trek Discovery. I always like to put that there because Star Trek Discovery is amazing. You know, just just the fact that you have, again, people in space who look like us, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. people who are Black, Latino, people who um, have different... Uh, gender, I, I can say different genders because with Star Trek, someone could be both male and female. They right, right. Switch. So it's just so it's everything can be non-binary. Um, it's just Star Trek is amazing, um, and they continue to create shows. Mm-hmm. So I know that they're the Paramount Plus, whatever the hell right, that is. Yeah, yeah. Does a new one? Yeah, I think it's taking over CBS. It's taking over CBS. But. The important thing is there's like two more Star Trek Star Trek shows coming out. Mm-hmm. I think one with the original start with Spock and the captain before Kirk. Um, oh, Captain what's Pike. his name? Pike? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Wait, wait. Did they, I'm just out of curiosity. Did they ever explain in universe what happened to Pike? Because Pike was there for like the, the pilot and then yeah. he was gone. Yeah. yeah. He, they he, did he, it in the, the second season of Discovery. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not until Discovery that you... Yes. Yeah, it's it's um, it's absolutely amazing, and it's one of those things where you see these people act, and it's just like, oh my god, where was this when I was a kid? This is right. amazing. This is great. Mm. In terms of games, um, I've been playing Hitman Three, um, so yeah, I know not many people play video games right now, except for Leo, but uh, that's the game that I'm sort of <laughs> on. Um, because I played Miles Morales, and like I played that so quickly that I was just like, I need another game. <laughs> Um, but yeah, to be honest, my life has all been about work and like schoolwork too. So I'm trying to get my master's degree. Yeah. In what? 
education, actually. So adult education. So I'm, I'm doing different aspects. A part, of, a part of what I'm doing is sort of how to teach uh, adults online. So I'm doing a lot of online stuff. So um, I, I can now do not well, not as good as Marcus, but I can now do like digital designs and stuff. And so, you know. Oh, okay. I'm trying. I'm trying. So now when you do stuff, I'm like, I see what he's doing now. <laughs> I see. Like he's spacing it. He's making a margin. <laughs> see the Matrix so, yeah. code dancing down over all the artwork. <laughs> yeah. And then above that, I'm still, I'm still writing. Like I still write like short stories. I'm still doing like scripts on my own and stuff like that. So, you know, I keep myself busy. Cool. Um, Joe, did I've you? I've had so much. Oh, well, oh no, you go. Ask? No, no, probably what you were going to say. So go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just going to say that uh, I love WandaVision, and I've also known exactly what's going to happen every step of WandaVision because <laughs> I listened to a recap podcast, and specifically from episode one, like the biggest nerd on the podcast was like. You know what I bet? And then he it just always calls it. Out, like, literally everything is because he's read all the comics. So he's like, so it's probably that. And I'm like, fuck. I feel like, I feel like I last week's twist. Yeah. Like last week's twist, which I, if you didn't see it, you probably had to spoil it. I won't spoil it. But like last week's twist, um, I definitely had a pretty big feeling that that was going to be yep. going to happen but it was still it was still amazing when it happened mm -hmm. you know what i mean like and and also i feel like there was a little bit of um of well maybe they won't because like sometimes you know comic book uh properties they'll give you like an easter egg in name only right but not necessarily right. follow through so when they really followed through on who that character yeah. was yes. right right yes. that was amazing yes. yeah. the ending of this episode blew the hell out of my mind yeah, if, yeah. if you read <laughs> Avengers comics from the 80s, yeah. you'll be like, oh, they did that. Like, you know what I mean? Literally screaming. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's looking at me like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Um, uh, but what was your yeah. question, Marcus? Oh, no, I was going to ask you if you uh, just if, if you had spoken about all of the things that you've been consuming that you wanted to. Oh, uh, well, comics-wise, I've just been... Well, first of all, I finally read um, Laura Jean... Or Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me after <laughs> several years of that thing coming out, and it's really amazing, but I won't dwell on it still. Uh, but uh, I'm also getting caught up with Witch Hat Atelier. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all read it, but it is a manga. It is about a girl named Coco who lives in a world where witches are real. Uh, it, it's sort of like this vaguely like medieval renaissance -y world. And she's obsessed with magic. She thinks witches are the most amazing people in the world. They, they live in these special towns and they also create uh, magical objects that, that you can sometimes see flying through the sky. Uh, and she wishes she were part of that world, but alas, she, doesn't have magic. You can't be a witch unless you're born with magic. Um, but one day she happens to uh, spy on a witch who comes to town while they're uh, casting a spell. And she realizes 
he's using a special type of ink to draw a seal. And then the magic comes from the seal. And she's not supposed to have seen that. No one knows that in the whole world, that witches draw seals and that this special ink they get from this specific plant that exists in the world is the source of magic. Witches don't have magic at all. They're not born with it. They're just like everybody else. But they're a secret society that has hoarded this knowledge that you can make anything happen if you have access to this ink from this made from carbon from this burning this tree. Um, and instead of erasing her memory, because that's what they do to people who ever find out, they welcome her into their secret society. And they're like, okay, we will teach you the ways of, of, of witchcraft and you get to be a witch, but you can't ever tell anyone our secrets. Um, and there's sort of like this larger, more sinister reason that they're allowing her to become a witch rather than just erasing her memory like everyone else. And that's sort of the mystery you're finding out as you go along. Um, and the whole thing is this really beautiful metaphor for being an artist and all of the lessons that she learns about being a good witch and becoming good at witchcraft are all the same lessons you teach someone like, like you have to practice over and over, not get down on yourself if you're not used to drawing this type of steel. And like, oh, you have to make sure your tools are in tip-top shape. Here's how you take care of your pens. And here's how you can tell what good ink is. And it's like the kids comparing their skill level levels to each other and being like, oh, you can draw so much better than me, your seals. And it's like, well, I practiced for this much time and that's how I got good and people helping each other. So, so yeah, it's a, it's an allegory for being an artist and learning how to draw, but set against like this magical witch secret society intrigue. It's yeah. super great. Oh, God, it look, it looks really good. I'm looking at it. This is nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. Is uh is this would you say this is good for um kids like especially like somebody twelve years old? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's right. definitely right. like a middle grade ish read. Yeah. I feel I feel like my daughter would like this. I'm gonna get this. Yeah. Cool. So happy All I'm right. getting someone to buy it. It's so good. <laughs> uh All right. I think it's Eisner's too. It's like it's mm -hmm. a really, really good series. Um okay. so yeah, so that's been the comics reading front. Uh been watching a lot of stuff uh to keep to keep the old noggin uh centered uh there's the mandalorian obviously uh there's bridgerton uh i don't know oh, oh okay know. okay <laughs> yeah okay. i watched that with my mother which okay i bridgerton is another one of those shows where i'm like i enjoyed every second of watching this um except for like a couple things, right? To draw big red circles around. <laughs> 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 Huge problems. Uh, and like, yeah, it's it's uh, it's the first type. It's a, it's the first show of its type that I've ever given a chance to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Been interested in the whole like Regency era, like period dramas. Yeah, yeah, period dramas. Right. Well, I like period dramas actually, but it's specifically okay. this period. Yeah, the, the the like Jane Austen period, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like I've never really been into that. Um, but of course they they had the big old from Shondaland or whatever, and there were black people in it. So I was like, okay, I have to 
Yeah, I'm gonna spill my big my big pet peeve about this show. I mean, please do. There's other stuff to get into, but my number one peeve about this show is that they treat black people during this period as if it needs a revisionist history explanation for why there were rich black people when there were rich mm-hmm. black people in real life. Uh, right, right. So I don't know what the like the fact that they like came up with this whole backstory. It's like, oh, because you know, because the queen, uh, it, she, like the queen is black, and then when she married, she like opened the door for us, and we were given land, and some of us weren't. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you acting like this is world building you invented, written mm. like? Black. That's so interesting. Like they're like, go, they're at the door, they're like, don't leave yet. Don't leave that. No, 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 no. Stick around. No, no, no. We have a whole thing about this. I have a, I have a thought on that. I have a thought on that, and you've seen more of the show than I have, so you could probably answer this. But is it, is it less that they're trying to explain the black people's success, and more they're trying to explain white people's, white people not being as horrible to them? You know what I'm saying? Like white people coexisting with them more mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. they see, would. See, that's, I would think that if, if his, see, I could see white people being worse to them based on the explanation they just gave. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. That's actually a very good Because they're, according to their explanation, the black people just got here. Right. Like they just got this money. So, like, that, that, to me... Oh, yeah, yeah. People aren't good with new black money. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, um, excuse me, you don't really belong here. You don't know anything about this. This isn't your world. But even the fact that everyone's just like, yeah, all these people are different colors. That's how it is. Like, Mm. that makes more sense in a world where it's like, yeah, who hasn't seen a black person with money? What are you... (laughs) So the fact that they made it, they made it a thing, was ahistorical. But they, they were being ahistorical while trying to make it more. They were like, "We're making this time period progressive," and I'm like, "This time period was better than you was." Is the thing (laughs) not better as in like good, really, (laughs) for people, but like. People forget that, like, countries were made up recently. Like, Germany became a country in the, like, less than 100 years ago. Like, countries were weird political fabrications. So, really, people lived under certain... uh, under certain estates, under certain uh, rulers or kingdoms or whatever, dukedoms, etc. Uh, and it was more of a free flow. There's been trade globally between continents for thousands of years. People have moved and mm-hmm. stayed in mm-hmm. different places. Like th- th- this idea of like, like the UK is a white country. It is white land, and if you live there, you are this type of white specifically. It's like the white people there aren't even the same type of white person, first of all. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. No, they're, all, they're of, all Romans. They're all historic Romans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. So, like, 
So I don't know. It, 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 it just felt very, um, I don't know what to call it. It's this weird, it's this interesting example. And I feel like Lovecraft Country did a few things that had me, that sort of had me thinking there too, where it's like, okay, we're going to make this thing. It's going to be better than the previous things, but there's just going to be some spots where it reveals a, um, not as thorough an understanding of like this one area or like, or of this specific historical reality because we're looking at it through this current lens uh, that we're living in right now. Um, and I don't know, I just thought it would have, been, would have been cool for them to just be like, there are black people here and you don't get an explanation. You don't get one. Like even the fact mm -hmm. that it, even the fact that it's not historically inaccurate to have them anyway, right. it just gets better to be like, right. they're black and they're there and you have to deal with it. You just have to, you just have to. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's I mean, always this. Like, it's there's like always this fabricating a shorthand when it's like you yeah. could actually just do less work. Yeah. There's also um, there's also um, uh, there's also a historical argument to be made that that queen was actually black. Mm -hmm. Like that that's not even fan fiction because um, it's it's like like historians right. argue about it or whatever about whether. Uh, the 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 queen during the regency period was um a mixed black woman or not uh, and it has to do with like confusing histories around her lineage and stuff like that but this but this uh show sort of frames it as like oh the king fell in love with this opera singer and she was elevated to this position as queen whereas the real queen they're referencing was just a noble is just another royal person who married a king like you do. Um, mm -hmm. And her like bloodline potentially having uh, like African ancestry in it wasn't because of some like some some crazy story happened or someone went out of their way. Like it's just those bloodlines exist. Like that's just always been in there because and it's so hard to figure and to like pinpoint uh, as well because people because our, our, our sort of judgment about who's black and who isn't mm -hmm. hasn't always been the same. Right. So there's always a lot of cases with like historical figures where you're like, were they black or were they not? And it's like, well, according to the standards of the time, right. were they it's black then? Yeah, because you can't find a record of someone saying this black guy Mozart, right? Because like no one would have said that even if he right. was. Right, 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 mm -hmm. right. So yeah, that's that's my yeah, or that's my Dumas or yeah, that, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that yeah, that's my TED talk about Bridgerton. So, Bridgerton, <laughs> take off your thinking cap if you want to watch it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I've I've, uh, I've I've had the, the 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 central conflict that the main black uh, male character has to overcome spoiled for me, and. I would say, you know what? I don't think it's a show where you got to think that hard. <laughs> I think it kind of is what it is. They made his whole thing too much, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I don't know. Anyway, uh, all right, y'all. It's, 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 it's about, about that, that time. time. It's yeah. been two hours. But, I mean, we could go on. I feel like this is every time we have an episode with Joe, though. We we have so yeah. much to. We can keep going. We can keep going. We've had a short episode with Joe, actually. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, but this has been really good. Uh, Grace, it's been been great. Great having you back. 
Yes. Great, Grace, Grace, are back. you backpack? Are you backpack, Grace? Yes, yes. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Grace, is there any chance you can do cartoons tomorrow? Because I might not be able to make it for family reasons. It's all right. You don't have to. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll try. I'll okay. Try. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, well, we will get to uh, cartoons momentarily. But uh, first, Joe, can you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet? You can find me at twitter.com slash joeametegill. That is spelled J-O-A-M-E-E-G-I-L. You can also find me at powerandmagicpress.com along with all of my publications. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, lot, there's a lot going on in the uh, the black comics world. That's right. Yeah. All right, y'all. Um, well, this has been real. Um, it's just like homecoming, you know. Joe came in, <laughs> got some got some uh, lemonade out the fridge, and uh, yeah. Grace, Grace is right where she's supposed to be. So yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank yes, you, everyone. Yes. Yes. All right. Peace, everyone. Good night. Thanks, all. Bye. Bye. Black comics chat.